is Steve. And this is Ryan. You're listening to 60 Cycle Hum, the guitar podcast. Yeah. Woo. <laughs> A little variation on the intro there, huh, Steve? Hey, hey yeah. Uh, this, so this is episode four. Yep. Episode four is one of my favorite Jimmy World songs. I don't, I'm not familiar with it. Yeah. It's also one of my favorite movies. Uh, Star Wars? Yeah. This is a Star Wars reference podcast. Right. We're just going to talk about... Let's talk about Star Wars. And by four, you mean the first one. Yeah, A New Hope. A New Hope. Okay. New Hope, 1977. Let's leave it at that. Okay. Let's jump right into an ad. This hey. is This is for a Les Paul Ibanez project yeah. out there in Alpine slash El Cajon. I spotted this the other day. I don't I, understand. Is it Alpine or El Cajon? Because they're like tw- 10 miles apart. If you're in El Cajon... Uh, well, if you're going to Alpine, then I don't know. If they're they're on the way. Like you're, I, not- you know what it is. I think people in Alpine realize they live in the boon, like in the boonies. So they're willing to come down. So to they're El Cajon. willing to come to El Cajon. I gotcha. respect you, Alpine. <laughs> I respect your your willingness to at least meet me in El Cajon. Sure, I, I'd hope that they would because it's way the heck out there. Yeah, yeah. But anyways, this is a neat project, and that's why I, I printed it off this week. It's a neck and a body, a Les Paul-style body. The body's been halfway stripped, or about a fourth of the way stripped. Pretty rough. The whole back, I think, is stripped. The whole back is stripped, so it's more than half. It's got a cool kind of Ibanez uh, neck with like a wood stripe down the middle. Uh, the whole project is, is 40 bucks. This is the sort of thing that I always like just look for i like to work on projects i like yeah. to put things together i i was telling steve that uh i probably have all the parts sitting in boxes somewhere that i could use to finish this right i'm not going to do it because i've already i just finished a project recently yeah. I've, I've scratched that itch if i had a garage and a lot of sandpaper i probably <laughs> would and I, you know i've never done a full uh full restoration uh-huh but this is a really classy looking instrument it, yeah it looks uh, it looks a lot like a '70s Les uh, Ibanez Les Paul. Uh huh. Well, it looks really classy. Yeah, it's got like a. It has a lot of potential. You could paint this any way you wanted. You could write on this with markers. You could burn it <laughs> and get like the the singed wood sort of thing oh, going man. on. There's a lot of fun stuff you could do with this. I just like to see projects like this. So I thought I'd share it. Maybe maybe we should start putting up these screen grabs on the on the forum. Yeah, that'd on the probably group. be a, that'd probably be a good idea because it's just neat. Forty bucks, you get a neck and a body. As long as the neck is decent, you're gonna have a good time with this. Yeah, it should it should end up being a pretty playable guitar if you know what you're doing. And, sure, and you've got parts. I mean, forty dollars for neck and body. And then what do you figure you're paying if you're going like just the cheap route, like guitar fetish or something? What do you uh, figure you're going to end up paying? Hmm. I'd, I'd say you could probably put about $130 into that to finish it. That's it? Yeah, because you got to figure... It depends on what you do for as far as pickups. If you go really crazy nice with pickups, then it's gonna, you're going to be spending a lot more than that. Sure. But say you just throw one humbucker in there. Okay. You can or, grab a single humbucker off of GFS or off of Craigslist in kind of your $30 range. I'm just thinking like if you were going to go for like full, like full out Les Paul, so thing. like, you know, both pickups, all the hardware, all the knobs, whatever. Okay. Well, let's, let's break this down. Say, let's just say that you can get a pickup for 30 bucks. Okay. So two pickups at 60 bucks. All right. 
And then we've got hardware. Your your bridge and your tailpiece. What's that like? Another thirty, forty bucks? You could probably you can get a cheap tunomatic and a tailpiece for probably around twenty five bucks. Okay. And then you got to figure tuners because it doesn't have tuners. Yeah. You're probably if you're do, if you go cheap, you can probably get them in the twenty five dollar range. So what are we at now? We're, We're at, right at a hundred. Well, it's a hundred and ten. One if we t- say okay. 60 bucks for the pickups. 110. And then you've got pots and switches. Yeah, pots and switches, all that stuff. That's more in my neck of the woods Yeah, kind of expertise. I want to say that it's going to run. Pots is probably going to be at most 20 bucks if you go for like Alpha or CTS pots. Okay. I'm thinking from like Mammoth. I think they're like three to five bucks a piece. Sure. I say it's my expertise and then I can't even remember. And then caps are cheap. Uh, the switch it, the switch shouldn't be more than five or six bucks tops. So what, what Jacks. we're looking at that's another like thirty bucks apart. Yeah, probably. yeah. So yeah, right around one hundred and forty. Hey, you got to get it's it's a bolt on neck if it doesn't have a neck. Oh, right, plate you and need screws, the neck plates and that's another ten bucks. Screws, so, so it's one hundred and fifty bucks to get sure. this thing running. So I one guess. say we'll say two hundred to get everything done. Sure, this is a two hundred dollar guitar. That starts with a forty dollar uh, project parts, which isn't bad. If you can yeah. make a guitar for two hundred dollars and you love it, that's great. Yeah, uh, it's two hundred dollars is a cheap hobby too, for sure, for sure. I mean, it's how can you go wrong? Yeah, and at two hundred dollars, if it looks good and it plays well, you could probably. I mean, I guess you, if you tried to sell it, you'd probably be lucky to break even. Must be honest. Yeah, you're you're looking to break even. I wonder what the neck pocket on that is like. I wonder if it's a Fender compatible neck oh, pocket. Because then you could you could throw in any Fender <laughs> neck you, or any like Mighty Might or All Parts neck you want right, in there right. if the neck isn't any good. You know what? I think if I was to grab that project, I would probably I would ask to meet in El Cajon. I would not go to Alpine, and then I would probably offer the guy thirty bucks just to shave a little off, sure, just to see. Sure. I can get it. Would you try to throw like a fender neck on there and make it like a telepol or a or a les, you know me. a les caster? You know that's what I do. Would it be a les caster? And that you know, maybe a jazz paul. I don't know. <laughs> what would be the funkiest neck to throw on there? Uh, on a les paul oh, style body, Jackson reverse pointy no. headstock with shark fin inlays. No. Oh man. I, I think it's I think your instinct of, of putting a telecaster neck on there pre, pretty much hits it square on the head of what I would end okay. up doing. All right, no, uh, you don't want a full shred. How about a how about a new Ibanez neck on an old Ibanez body? That could be a, that could be an interesting story. You get the the pointy yeah, new yeah, Ibanez yeah. neck. Oh, on there. this is a one hundred percent Ibanez. <laughs> just get all Ibanez parts. Sure. Sure. Just, just gut an Ibanez, like one of those cheap dual humbucker Ibanez uh-huh. super strats, and throw the neck on this. And then, oh, yeah, it's an Ibanez. Oh, my God. It's all Ibanez parts. <laughs> all right. All right, moving on. Uh, <laughs> a nab came up for a, an old solid state amp, a 1960s silver tone. And I just thought it's pretty. Yeah. I've, I'm a fan of, of older solid state. I've, I've been using an acoustic 150 that Steve owns for my band. And uh, 
it sounds amazing. I imagine that this has some really interesting qualities to it. I don't. I've never played around with the old Silvertone stuff. I'm, I'm sure it sounds cool. It's made in the '60s. My it's, understanding is these solid state amps are really designed to be like solid state counterparts to their tube amps. Mm-hmm. And if you've heard a White Stripes album, then you know what the Silvertone tube amp sounds like. Right. That is at least supposedly was one of Jack White's go-to amps for uh-huh. a lot of his recording was the tube counterpart to this solid state amp. Now, Silvertone, a little bit of history. That's like a that's like your Kmart, Sears brand label that right. that they would sell out of department stores in the '60s. A lot of the stuff was manufactured by Dan Electro, which was you know also for department stores. Yeah, this is entry level stuff. But the fact that you could kind of, you could walk into a department store, and uh, this says says it's a solid state 150. The fact that you could go into a department store, buy, what I'm assuming is a 150 watt amplifier, and it comes with a six by ten cabinet, like the six 10 inch speakers, that's nuts to me. Can you imagine walking into a Sears right now or a Target, and buying a an amp stack with six 10 inch speakers yeah. that has 150 watts of output on it. Like that's nuts. Yeah. That's uh it's not going to happen. The, ca- the cab on this is empty, but those six by 10 cabs are really neat. Yeah. It's a pretty amp and this is and it's this only 200 is, bucks for the whole thing. Yeah. This is one of the cleanest examples of a silver tone amp from yeah. this era that I've ever seen. 200 bucks. Um, for $200. That's a, it's a pretty piece of furniture. Yeah. If I had a, house if put it put, even put if that you in the corner of your living room put a lamp and a vase on it and it's pretty yeah yeah just it, you know especially if you're into like the mod retro thing sure. i've got some friends that like uh basically they restored a like a 1950s craftsman home into what it would have looked like in the 50s uh-huh. and this would have been like this would be a perfect thing to have in a quarter in the corner you put some speakers in that Plug it in, and now you've got an amplifier for your record player. Sure, you could run a record player off of that. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you, you don't need that. stereo that bad. <laughs> you could you could destroy the neighborhood with that. Oh thing. my gosh! Oh man, you could have the best house party with that. <laughs> uh, we've got one more ad for for today, uh, and Steve and I were looking at this. Uh, I said we weren't going to mention it, but I'll mention it. It is another Wayne's World strat. We were talking about that episode Wayne's two. Wayne's World! Uh, but the the topic we don't want to talk about isn't that it's a Wayne's World strat. We want to talk about uh, the fact that the guy has modded this. And because he's modded it, he's... And by modded, he's, he's completely redone the pickups and the control cavity. He's done a huge job of of uh grounding and uh what is it called yeah he went through and did the full the foil yeah the foil foil shielding foil shielding yeah and he uh he changed out the the block on the tremolo which is a common modification that people like to do they say that it increases the the whole bridge he might have The, the, the point is he i think he put locking tuners on this too oh really he did a lot to this guitar. He he claims that he put about $500 of work into this guitar. Right. And he wants $500 for it. And and these are these are MIJs, which is nice, but they're still Squires. It's a yeah. MIJ Squire guitar. 
Uh, I don't remember what we said would be normal value for these. Uh, probably in the in the upper two hundred yeah, range. Yeah, two. I think two fifty. Two fifty is probably fair. Yeah, uh, but he wants five hundred dollars for it. And something that Steve and I talk about quite a bit is that in cases like this with these kinds of guitars, it doesn't matter that you changed the pickups. It doesn't matter that you changed the tuners. That you upgraded the bridge. People still want to pay the value of this guitar as what it is. It doesn't matter what you changed because you changed that for you. The next person might not have made those changes for themselves and the value isn't changed very much. Yeah. And we see this a lot. People who post ads for guitars where they swapped out the original pickups for some really nice, like $150 DiMarzio's or something like that. And they think, that they can modify the price of the guitar based on that. And it's just not how it works for some reason. Yeah. It's, you know, for, for certain things, I mean, these are some major upgrades. Well, one of the upgrades is really great. The, uh, he swaps out the bridge or the trim. This is a strat, uh-huh. a strat trim for a Callum vintage S. Right. That's a $135, oh, yeah. $140 trim. That's like, that's a serious investment. Sure. Well, when he said that he's put, you know, like $500 of work into this guitar, he's not kidding. Yeah. So uh, he has put an, but, an extra $500 worth of parts into a $250 guitar. Yeah. The, uh, the pickups in it are apparently GFS. Uh-huh. Guitar Fetish has a line of USA Custom Shop pickups now. Mm-hmm. A lot of their um, stuff is really good. So this is th- that, uh, it's called a GFS USA Custom Shop hand wired pick guard assembly, and that's actually I looked it up. It's a hundred another hundred and thirty yep, bucks. Yeah, it's the idea of a guitar fetish selling something for one hundred and thirty dollars is like my brain just went. They have some nice stuff. They you know they 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 sell stuff that everyone buys as their cheap project stuff, and like oh here's a twenty dollar set of cheap strap pickups. But then right. some of their pickups are really nice. They have the are they the ones that do, do the Surf nineties. Yeah, and they do. I had a, a set of pickups of humbuckers that were kind of like an Eddie Van Halen sort of thing, and those were really nice. I've I've had some stuff, nice stuff from GFS. Yeah, he took this over to Top Gear, which is one of the premier uh, guitar setup and repair shops in San Diego, uh-huh. and uh, they did the uh, the action and intonation and everything. Sure. Fret leveling, crowning, polishing. So that wow, he that, really worked on. He this went thing. overboard. I mean, five hundred dollars. The amount of work that he put in is definitely. Oh, I guess he's actually asking six hundred for this, saying there's five hundred dollars in upgrades. Oh, okay, um, six hundred dollars. You took a two hundred fifty dollar guitar. You spent, you know, three hundred. Let's say three hundred dollars in parts. Uh-huh. You spent another two hundred dollars. And professional set, setup. Professional setup. Yeah, your guitar is not worth six hundred dollars. No, it's still I, worth two hundred and fifty, maybe two seventy five. Yeah, I mean, maybe if you're including all the original parts, I could see like three fifty, yeah. four hundred, maybe. But setup, unfortunately, like the setup doesn't really add to a value of the guitar. It doesn't the parts? Can depending in this case, like at least with Callum or Callaham or however the hell that's pronounced, I guess it's Callaham. Uh, it's there's a value to it. People upgrade that legitimately, 
But unfortunately, there's still this stigma of it's a squire at heart. I I don't know what if it's a stigma thing. I just I don't I've never seen a guitar that had a bunch of really nice parts thrown on it that I felt increased the value of it to me. Like I yeah. always look at a guitar and I see its value as its original value. Like you would. I don't know what this guy would have to do for me to look at it and think, oh, that's worth more than it's worth. Because it's, it it's not happening for me. Yeah, so this is what he writes on on after going through all these upgrades. He, he It's a really well put together ad, nice oh, yeah. pictures. He says, I have nearly $500 in upgrades alone to this guitar, not to mention the time and effort to put it all together. It plays and sounds like an expensive custom, uh, basically a custom shop. He's, I've got some small amps. You can use one of them or bring your own. If you think I'm full of of an expletive, a full of, <laughs> we'll say crap, and or you don't like it, no problem. I'll just keep it as part of my collection. On the other hand, if you understand tone and are not an anti-squire zealot, parentheses, like I used to be before I got educated in the matter, <laughs> I think, in parentheses, I think you'll be amazed with this guitar. You'll be asking me to build you another guitar with humbuckers. And... Uh, so, like I said, I, I'm sure this plays great. Uh-huh. Is it a custom shop quality instrument? Possibly. Yeah, it's probably great. Uh, it's, it's probably, probably awesome. a fantastic instrument. It probably plays great. It probably sounds great. You know me. I'm not. I've got. Uh, I've owned a couple Squires. I sold one of them because I wasn't using it. My main Telecaster has a Squire neck on uh-huh. it. I've got no problem with the Squire. I sat down and I would have no shame saying I sat down in Guitar Center. With four different Telecasters, mm-hmm. uh, ranging from Squire up to American Deluxe. I think American Deluxe was the highest end one I picked up. And the guitar that I wanted to take home was one of the Squire uh, Squire Classic Vibe 50s Telecaster. Sure. It felt great. Yeah, they're It awesome. sounded great. And at the end of the day, if a guitar speaks to you, that's the one right. you got to play. But you're going to pay what it's worth. Yeah. yeah. I, and that's really what this comes down to is... There's, it's just this weird concept where you would think that if you took a two hundred fifty dollar guitar and you legitimately put three hundred dollars worth of parts into it, that that would turn it into a five hundred and fifty dollar guitar. But it just doesn't work that way. It's still a two hundred and fifty dollar guitar for some reason, yeah. and that's not going to change. Like you would have to, like duct tape this to, like a stack of $300 for it to be worth more than that, you know? Right. And it's, it's just an issue of people you made modifications to guitar that the person who bought it didn't make. And so they don't care Yeah. if they're going to, if they were presented with two guitars, your guitar for 250 and the same guitar, but not modified for $245, they're probably gonna pick the 245 right one, right which is weird it doesn't i know it doesn't make sense and it, uh, some of it is that's some of it is just the like you said it's the custom shop idea like yeah it's cool that you upgraded all this stuff to your own specs right. and you know, maybe I, I 245 might, is wrong i think if someone if it was a matter of i think if it was a matter between paying 250 which is normal and paying 300 i think people would choose a 250 yeah yeah I think the average player isn't discerning enough. Somebody, somebody will probably haggle this guy down to like four fifty, and we'll get a great guitar for four hundred fifty sure, sure. bucks. 
Um, if anyone's the, interested at all. Yeah, but there is definitely like a custom shop uh, drop off, and that's always been the thing with like uh, with Carvin Custom Shop uh-huh. is you go in and you build like a custom instrument, great guitar, uh, low price, but you're still dropping like you know say a thousand dollars for a custom sure. spec Carvin that is go- not going to retain that value even the- as soon as you take it home. Right. And it's just because, oh, it's really cool that you paid an extra $200 for quilted red maple. I don't want that color. Yeah, the next guy doesn't want the the custom features that you wanted. Yeah. And so the things that you specifically sought out can be seen as not important to the next guy. And it's, you know, it's a bummer, but that's just, if, if you are customizing something, then you need to do that for you. And you need to realize that you're probably going to take a loss on this instrument. Yeah. I, I've modified all my stuff. Like all my guitars I've modified in some way. And whenever I do it, I know that I'm throwing that money into the wind because I, it's not going to make a difference if I yeah. ever resell that guitar, you know? And, uh, yeah, if, I mean, if you're buying low and, and then you're doing the mods, you might be able to sort of maybe break even, but it's just real tough. It's, yeah. It's just a hard line to toe and it's weird, you know, uh, just the, a lot of custom shop thing. And there's a lot of, a lot of, you know, uh, there's so much stuff on the web on how to build your own guitars uh-huh. now that it's I think so people easy. that want to do the custom shop route aren't necessary or not necessarily custom shop but a customized guitar route uh-huh. aren't necessarily going to be interested in doing buying one that you modified they're going to want to buy but the, that the constituent parts yeah. and do it themselves sure so i i bought a uh do you remember that mik strat that i bought yeah yeah the mik uh made in korea squire strat i bought off a guy and i think i paid 200 for it and he, it was one of those that he had he had done this. He had swapped the pickups out for American pickups, and he had he had shielded it, I think, and he had swapped out the bridge for a really nice big uh, brass yeah, block bridge. A brass block. He had to modify it because it didn't yeah, he had fit to, in the he guitar. had to grind down the back end of it so it would fit because uh, the MIK Squire is a thinner body. But I bought this off of him for two hundred dollars. The going rate for those guitars is one hundred and seventy-five dollars, I think. Yeah. Uh, so I I paid a little bit up out of what these are normally worth. Oh, he had swapped the the tuners on it too. This is very oh, similar really? to this. He had put these really nice tuners on it. Uh, I basically played the guitar for a couple months, and then I got it in my head to do a baritone project. Right. And I made this baritone strat. I took the American pickups out of a out of the the mik and put them into the baritone strat and i took mexican pickups that i had in the baritones that came in the body that i used for the baritone strat and i put those in the mik and then i sold the mik for like 180 dollars right so basically i owned this mik so that i could get a set of american strat pickups yeah for 20 dollars. you paid 20 dollars for a set of Fender USAs. Yeah. Like and that's <laughs> they're they're beautiful sanding yeah, pickups. That's, in that that's how you break even. Yeah. But it's that's and I didn't scam anyone. I you know, I didn't do anything sketchy. That's just how the vol how the value breakdown goes on 
with modified stuff. Yeah. Beyond it, you don't get a lot of value out of your guitar past the normal value of the guitar when you modify it, when you add stuff on top of it, unless you're professional level making actual instruments in your, in your garage or in a shop or something like that. You're not start, you're almost never going to start with a guitar that's valued at one thing and then do something to it. That's going to make it more valuable than it was. Right. Like the vast majority of time, anything you do is probably going to devalue it because you tried to do that refinish job and you totally screwed it up <laughs> or you tried to, uh, you tried to polish your frets and you went way too far or, or something like that. It's, you know, don't, don't try to, you know, make a guitar more, worth more than it is. It is what it is. Yeah. And so many of the swaps, a lot of times because you're looking at ultimately your cash value items now and this, like they're, it's a little more extreme because it is putting, like high-end stuff on a uh -huh. Squire. But I've seen instances where someone is trying to sell like a Gibson Les Paul, like say a Les Paul Studio, sure. which is like a mid-range, like used maybe eight $800 guitar. Uh -huh. And someone will say, oh, I swapped out the stock Gibsons and threw in a JB, a Seymour Duncan JB Jazz set, which is a great pickup sure. set. But the reality is, is like, Cash value wise, you just took a set of a hundred dollar set of pickups and dropped in like a hundred and thirty dollar set of pickups. There's no change in cash value no. there. Your hundred dollar guitar or your eight hundred dollar guitar isn't worth nine hundred dollars, right? Because you dropped in Seymour Duncan's. And the, the way to offset that, if if you want to get your money back, keep the original pickups. When you sell the guitar, put the original pickups back in. Yeah, and then sell your other pickups on the side or sell the original pickups on the side and that's how you offset that yeah that or loss. If, you know you're gonna people will pay for the parts to mod their own guitars sure. but when you take a guitar and then you drop in new pickups even if they're really nice you turn your guitar investment into this venn diagram yeah where the next person if they're going to want it they're going to have to be the person who lies in the middle as wanting the guitar and also wanting the specific set of pickups that you put in. Yeah. Because if they don't care about the pickups, that has no value to them. And it's going to be really rare that anyone is like, oh, if I had bought that guitar, that's definitely the set of pickups I would have put in. Sure. Oh, this, this is going to save me some time. It's, you know, people like to put in their own stuff, you know? Yeah. It doesn't matter to them what you put in. Word. Yep. Uh, so we have a concept that was uh, emailed to us or to Steve. I don't remember. It was messaged to you or something like that. Yeah, it was, on, uh, it was on one of my forums. On uh, Yeah. I'll try to read this thing. Okay. If you guys are open to ideas, a discussion my friends and I are having recently is how the name, look, brand of the pedal affects how you feel about it slash how you think it sounds, if that makes sense. An example being that maybe an SD-1 fits the sound you need, but it's a boss and the person doesn't want to look like a beginner, so they spend more money on a boutique pedal despite the similar sound. It has been a fun discussion and it'd be cool to hear y'all talk about it. We're, we're calling this uh, pedal board vanity, this discussion. Pedal board vanity. <laughs> and it is, it is a big thing. Uh, these days, Boss isn't that popular. The Boss SD-1 is what he was talking about there. But guess what? They sound great. 
a lot of boss pedals are super usable and they sound awesome and there's no reason why anyone shouldn't use them but there is a vanity thing to it because there are so many really killer boutique options out there and a lot of people are into building these pedal boards that have so many really cool looking things on them and they want to kind of show off and and post pictures on the internet and show their friends what they have uh i know that the the first time i went on on one of the guitar forums that we're on and i posted a picture of my board like the second comment i got was some guy saying too much boss <laughs> because i have like two or three boss pedals on my board right now i have three i have uh the frv1 i have a digital delay and i have the tuner uh and i think a lot of people who are in that community would look at my board still and be like oh too much boss you have too much boss going on there but these are pedals that uh i prefer yeah. i have i have another tuner that i could use i have there you know i've had other digital delays and other delay options but the, i love the dd3 and as far as i'm concerned the the frv1 is my reverb like I I play in a surf band and I need that reverb. I just want to know what the FRV one. If I kick it, will it crash? It won't. Oh. Well, it'll it'll crash, but not <laughs> not with the reverb crash. Oh oh, it'll sound like a pedal rolling down the hall. Yeah, the the pedal market right now is really interesting, um, because there's been a few kind of like mid to high end brands kind of uh-huh. jump in and kind of more boutique uh, brands. Um, and at first, I think at first it seemed like, oh, you'd see them every once in a while. But I remember sure. when, like, if you saw a Voodoo Lab sparkle drive on someone's board, is it Voodoo Labs? Yeah. Like, yeah. Uh, the sparkle drive on a board, you're like, oh, man, that guy's got a boutique tube screamer. Boutique. Boutique. Now it's like, <laughs> now it's like, oh, yeah, sparkle drive. That's like. Super that, mainstream. That's like the cheapest tube screamer clone I'll use. <laughs> Um, but there's definitely like a weird, there's a weird vibe and it's interesting to go. Ryan and I went to a kind of a pedal board showdown thing a couple weeks sure. ago. It was like a social get together. Yeah. I was just to hang out a bunch nice. of, a bunch of worship musicians in San Diego. We all got together and kind of talked through our boards and stuff. And it was interesting to see how 10 years ago you would just see like boards that were populated with like boss and Ibanez. Uh-huh. And I remember when the DE7 was like the go-to delay pedal, yeah. especially in worship music. It's like, oh, you can get it cheap and it sounds just as good as the analog stuff. And now uh, having a boss pedal is almost like it's a unique – having a boss pedal on your board is like a Makes unique Makes you thing. way different. It's like, oh, where's your Strymon? <laughs> uh, oh, you, you don't have any uh, – have you ever heard of this uh, JHS? Yeah. Why, how, why would you have a boss on your board yeah. when you could fill that space with something from JHS and or this, and this isn't from a, someone else? This isn't a knock on those companies, uh, especially since at some point in the future, Josh Scott might actually listen to this. Uh, <laughs> you put out some really great, and I really love the look of JHS oh, pedals. Send us your stuff. We'll yeah. use it. Yeah, we'll use it. We'll definitely <laughs> use it. Uh, consider this a name drop. JHS pedals. They're, yeah. they're, I mean, they look, look great. Look them up. Uh, They do. They're one of these. They're kind of like Keeley. They started out doing mods, right? I believe so. Modding other pedals and then started making their own pedals. Uh, But it's it's an interesting kind of mental position people are in these days. Where there's us guitarists are wrapping a lot of vanity into our boards. Yeah, like we we're caring about this stuff a lot, and it's kind of weird. It's kind of 
this weird thing that we're doing that we care so much about the look of what's on our board. Because it definitely does matter to us for some reason. Like, yeah. it matters to me. Like, I I get excited about the color combinations that are on my board. Oh, like, yeah. We, we were just talking about this. So, I just, you know, I talked about in the last episode, I just put repopulated my PT Junior. Uh-huh. And I used to, on my old board, I had a couple orange petals and a yeah. green petal and a, and a blue petal. Uh-huh. And now, pretty much my board is monochromatic. Like it's either a chrome pedal or a white pedal or a gray pedal. Sure. And, no uh, color. D- and there's very little color and it's weird for me to look at it. Yeah. It's just kind of like, huh? It kind of has like a, like a NASA space station sort <laughs> of look does. to it. You could throw it up on the wall of a space station. Yeah. It looks like an instrument panel. Beep. <laughs> Mine has kind of a, I've got a purple pedal, I've got a green pedal, and I've got a yellow pedal. And then after that, it's all kind of monochromatic and earth tones. you got a brown pedal. i got a brown pedal. I've got a lot of white pedals. Actually, uh, I think I had a, another white pedal. I had like five white pedals at one time. Uh, and you get all you can get all weirded out about the order that they're in and, and how they line up. And mine, are, mine is kind of bugging me right now because I've got this kind of drifting, drooping thing going. Because <laughs> I had it all uh, arranged different for when I had the M5 on the board. Sure. There's uh, definitely a lot to that. And it's, yeah. it's funny to see guys in uh, Gear Talk and P- GTP dubs. Like someone will post a picture of their board. And someone will be like, oh, I'm going all OCD over your board right now. That one pedal is, that's not 90 degrees. Right. That's... That's 70, 74 degrees. That's uh-huh. that's not ninety degrees. That pedal is off by two degrees. Oh, you got you better fix that. Yeah, oh, it hurts my eyes. Oh, where's the bleach? Bleaching my eyes. And, <laughs> and you know, I guess everyone brings their own personality into it, and that's always the hard thing. Is uh, you know, as players, we bring our musical personalities to the table, uh-huh. and I think there are definitely pedal there. There's definitely a sense of Oh, you like this pedal? You should try this other pedal. Uh-huh. Like, oh, you like the you like the DS one? You should try. The, like, I would. You, you like the DS one? I would say like, oh, you should try a Rat. Like, it's sure. a it's a heavier, yeah, it's a, a higher gain thing, but it's in kind of a similar vein. Right. What I would really say is, you like the DS one? You should try. Actually, if you like a DS one, you won't like the modded DS one. Right. But uh, I'd say that if you like the DS one, you should try quitting music. Oh, <laughs> uh, I kid, I kid. Um, I like how we just went on and on about how, like, oh yeah, all these guitarists are are jerks because they're all about van- vanity and find your own sound, right? But right. don't play DS One. Uh, uh, here's the thing about the DS One: we we all have owned one. It's like the first pedal you get when you're a guitarist. They're cheap. They should stay cheap. Uh, <laughs> uh, they sound great modded unmodded they to to my ear they're they're just very thin and very like brittle sounding pedals and there's there's fun things you can do with them a fun thing i like to do with a, a stock ds1 is if my guitar has a tone knob i like to roll the tone knob all the way back on the guitar and i like to roll the tone knob on the ds1 all the way bright and you get this kind of really interesting almost like cake like like the band cake, like you right. get like this neat fuzz kind of huh. off of it. But outside of that, I never had much interest in my stock DS1. Right. there, I saw a video online and there's a guy who did a really neat thing with the DS1. 
his really neat thing was smashing it with a hammer. <laughs> that was a great video. Uh, um, <laughs> but, but I mean, more seriously, uh, I'm a really strong believer that as long as the pedal is works, sure. like, as long as it passes signal, uh-huh. uh, you can find a use for it if you want Absolutely. to. There's, now, the, you know, there's, I'm a firm believer that there's no such thing as bad tone. I think that there's only appropriate tone and inappropriate right. tone. If you right. can take anything and make it sound appropriate within whatever you're doing, whatever band setting or whatever recording setting that you're in, then that's the right thing to do. Yeah. yeah. It's, it doesn't matter the quality or the name on the gear. It doesn't matter the uh, how much you paid for it or didn't pay for it. It doesn't matter who else uses it. That's what you, that's what you're using to make your sound, and it's the right thing in that moment. One of my first pedal boards, actually, the I think the first pedal board I owned was the uh, purple Dan Electro case. Uh huh. And I had different pedals in there. That's the that was when I fell in love with the Dan Electro PB and J delay. Uh huh. One of that's the, a great pedal. one of the best sub fifty dollar delays ever made. Sure. I, I will go ahead and. Shout out to them. That's one of the few pedals in the sandwich series. They are the like food series of uh-huh. many pedals. That I feel like they really got right. Uh, but one of the pedals I had in there was the grilled cheese distortion. Okay. And the grilled cheese distortion, I can't remember what it was supposed to be a clone of. And it's so long ago. Like now I actually think I would really like that pedal. Yeah. Possibly. Um, but at the time, like I wanted more of like a conventional distortion sure and the grilled cheese has a volume i think a volume knob and a what was a notch knob i think okay it's like gain and resonance or like the two knobs so it's like half of a rat or something like that so what it was was if i'm remembering is the volume it was like one gain uh-huh with variable volume and then the other knob almost functioned I felt like it was almost like a wah okay so it's like a wah filter it's like a wah filter yeah that's kind of how a rat is is where the tone tone knob is a filter knob I just set my tone to one spot on the my rat and just leave it there I haven't messed with it in a while so um and that thing was noisy as all get out uh huh and it would feedback constantly (laughs) and being I think I was like 18 or 19 Trying to play like nice, pretty worship music. Uh, this is very like back when acoustic, acoustic guitar really dominated worship music. Uh-huh. You know, the early Chris Tomlin, Matt Redmond days. It was just completely unsuitable. Sure. Like the I I eventually I think I don't know what I, I started using. I got a, a J and H uh, the Visual Sound Jekyll and Hyde, uh-huh. and so the the Tube Screamer uh, the Jekyll side on that was like perfect Tube Screamer kind of a deal perfect for worship but this like nasty gritty grilled cheese was just useless it fed back all the time (laughs) i mean it fed back constantly uh with any guitar well if you're looking to generate feedback there's a recommendation for you yeah well and and exactly that's the thing is now looking back i'm like there have been moments where if i just needed like a freak out part on a song that would be the perfect Uh pedal and i actually the adam and i uh from Adams and Eves, uh, who recorded our intro song, mm-hmm. uh, 
we rec- we recorded a song years ago where I think I used that pedal just for like a freak out part. Right. Um, and it was really cool in that context. And I think that's where I really started to see because everything in the Dan Electro f- mini food pedals, uh-huh. that whole line, they were all kind of one trick ponies. Sure. If you that was the point. Yeah. If you wanted the one trick, best pedal ever. Uh huh. If you didn't, you were just like, this pedal's stupid. Yeah. Why did I pay $40 for this? <laughs> this is the worst pedal ever made because they they were just so one-dimensional uh-huh. that outside of that dimension, they were just A lot worthless. of people swear by d- different uh, pedals from that series. I yeah. Know, I know that uh, the Tremolo pedal is, is bulletproof. That's a great pedal. Yeah, the Tremolo, the, the Tremolo for a really long time was really popular because Switchfoot was using them. Uh-huh. And so here's this like $650 Trem or whatever. Yeah. That's I think being, you can pick them up for twenty bucks now. Yeah, used. I, I think yeah. I sold mine for thirty bucks when I they used to have twenty. They used to have the hard soft switch that gave you the different uh, shape options on yeah. the Tremolo, and they have a newer one now that has a, a knob on it. Oh, uh, so you could dial in how how you want the Tremolo shape to be. But you know these these little pedals are funky. Anyone who uses them for any, any amount of time ends up breaking the knobs off, and you yeah. have to turn the knobs with your with your pick or something like that. Yeah, or like I, a screwdriver. But they they're they're little. They take almost no space on your board, and it, you know a handful of them are really good and really solid. I know that the PB and J delay. It is that a. It's got two buttons on it. It's One is two, a speed it's got button, a, right? A bypass button, and then it's a fast slow switch. Yeah. So basically, you you have your settings. That's a great feature. And then to have. that feature just, I think it just doubles whatever. Sure. So it's like long delay versus short delay. Usually, you know, uh-huh. for normal kind of rhythm work, I was always using the long delay. But if I was doing more of like a surf sound, I might use the short. Yeah. Short, it's like, like a, a slap, slap back. Slap back. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So that's a, they're all really cool. Uh, they're neat little things. That's where I really cut my teeth. Uh, I had the multi effects on my crate and then I had the Dan Electro set. That's really where I learned a lot about uh-huh. uh, what I wanted to use. And, and this comes back to pedal board vanity. I mean, there's so many, I, the question I see on forums the most, and every time I see it, I just want to like reach through the screen and like choke somebody is uh hey here's a picture of my board or here's the layout on my board i got 150 bucks what pedal should i buy next right <laughs> i hate that question i hate when someone is is like oh tell me what to buy i i don't know what else to buy if you had use for something you would know what you where yeah. the hole was you would know oh i need a flanger or yeah, oh, here's, I need here's my suggestion a chorus here's my suggestion to you you have 150 dollars that you want to spend on a pedal, but you don't know what what pedal you want to get, send me an email at 60cyclehumcast at gmail.com and I will send you my personal PayPal email and you can <laughs> PayPal gift me your pedal money because you are too stupid to use it. <laughs> uh, we, just lost, sure. we just lost half of our subscriber base. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, are there any pedals... That if you found a use for them, you would be embarrassed to have them on your board. <laughs> like think of a pedal and what what if uh, what if you just randomly one day 
like oh, sorry I'm got around to trying a digitech grunge and you're like you know what it works what if you, what if you stumbled what if you stumbled into a metal zone and you discovered that it worked perfectly for your sound oh, would you man. would you feel confident to have that on your board unironically I don't I mean I, I want to say that I would because it's part of kind of my mantra that I've sure. been pushing here uh, I actually was using I never I don't know if I ever used it live I had in my at least in my room while um, a Digitech I don't remember if it was the grunge or the death metal uh-huh I don't even know if there was a difference between them uh, probably not one of them I remember like the uh, the settings were like guts blood yeah death I think that was the death metal I don't anyway um from a functional standpoint, I guess if I was really ashamed of a pedal, but I really, really wanted the tone, I would try to rehouse it. Really? People do that. People, People rehouse stuff. I don't like... So, the problem for... So, okay. With the DoD, there's other factors that play with DoD. I don't like their uh, case format. Oh, really? Yeah. I don't like the way their cases are laid out. They're just seem like they're overly wide and flat uh-huh um i don't i don't know i used i've had a dod flanger on my board for a couple of weeks and i just i this comes back to i guess a little bit of board vanity i just didn't like the way it looked sure i didn't like the way it fit on my board that being said if i had like a metal zone or one of these weird like metal whatever boss pedals I like the boss format, and if I found a tone for it I really liked, I mean, I guess I would use it. Sure. Would I be ashamed of it? I know I would get a lot of ridicule on the gear boards every time I posted a picture of it because uh-huh. Metal Zone is a running joke on at least one of those boards. Yeah, I think on uh, most of them. Probably. But, uh, I mean, I had the PB&J on my board for a long time, and people would be like, oh, you got, well, you got that Dan Electron there. Because like, it's the best freaking delay under $50. Uh, well, I, th- so, I think we, we're outside of, of this mentality. I think there's people who feel much more deeply when something that they have is not liked by someone. Yeah. We're more of the type of personalities that would put something weird on our board just to thumb it at people and just yeah. go, oh, look what I got. I've got this thing here, and I actually like it. So how do you feel about that? Yeah, there's a there's a running joke on GTP dubs when people post a picture. Oh, no striving. Admins are going to kick you out of the group. <laughs> and, there, you know, I feel weird saying this because I'm such a sarcastic person, but sometimes there is a little truth in sarcasm, uh-huh. at least a small bit where like where people see, Oh, you don't have even like, you know, an L cap or, right. or a blue sky. Like, you're not playing the same game as us yeah. here. Like, you, you're you, not on the level. These are the, these are the cheap Strymon pedals, only $250 or, uh-huh. or I don't know. I don't you're even not know taking this very seriously. Yeah. Yeah. You know, a, f- a fun thing that happened, uh, we mentioned it earlier, a uh, get-together we had with a bunch of other worship guitarists. Uh, we have a mutual friend uh, named Daniel Tyak. Daniel Tyak. We, we lost the other half of our listenership by mentioning <laughs> Daniel Tyak. Uh, for those that don't know, he is the owner and operator of Salvage Custom Pedal Boards. Yeah. Uh, makes a great product. And because he is in the industry and he is also a worship guitarist and, uh, and whatnot... 
he is he has access to top of the line stuff. Yeah, all you, his boards always have top of the line whatever is newest, whatever's the hot thing, whatever people haven't even heard of yet. Yeah, he's if you got went it. to Nam or have been following pictures from Nam, which was a re- this, it was in the month of this recording. Yeah, I think it was like this, a week ago. Yeah, it was like a week or two ago. Uh, and you follow either JHS or Earthquake de- Earthquaker uh-huh. devices. Uh-huh. Uh, he built the boards that their pedals were on at Nam. Yeah, he does. He does a lot of uh, the demonstration boards. Yeah, uh, and the, a funny thing is when we had that that hangout a while back, I I busted out my pedal board and then I have this one of those plastic Boss pedal boards that I keep a bunch of extra stuff in. And I was like, oh, here guys, here's the real stuff. And I opened it up and I've got. Uh, a delay in there and I've got a bunch of other random like boss pedals and I had a boss flanger in there and right now flanger is is not a respected pedal for whatever reason yeah, things no go one... in in and out of fashion and right now flangers are out of fashion and and Daniel saw the flanger in there and he's like can I borrow that can I use <laughs> that he's like and he basically said that he really wanted to put something he wanted to put a black sheep on his board basically yeah. because he has all the fancy nice stuff everything that people dream about and he wanted to put something on there to even it out he he needs some yin for his yang you know yeah yeah and and because i know him i was like yep you can borrow that i had just recently bought it as like a package deal and it's like okay yeah put it on your board this is going to be awesome yeah. and he immediately went and was posting pictures of a, of it and getting you know hundreds of comments as he does of people like what what are, what are you gonna do with that i don't understand yeah and my mind know, is breaking he's in a unique situation that really reflects this this pedal board vanity idea because he he sells high-end pedal boards oh, yeah. like really high-end really pedal high boards so when people see his board his boards populated with like boutique pedals are like oh boutique pe- got to get a boutique board for my boutique pedals <laughs> right uh if you threw a bunch of like boss on there it's like eh, well you know it must not be that important sure you know so what i want to know uh is how has getting a salvage custom board improved your tone <laughs> uh well i i do have a salvage custom uh, it hasn't improved my tone at all because there's no musical quality to it. It is literally just a piece of wood that you put all your stuff on. But I'll say this is beautiful. Oh, it looks great. It looks great. Uh, the the thing that really improved for me, uh, I had a homemade board before and, and moving towards a, a professionally made board, it's much easier to organize everything and to get a consistent quality when you're moving your stuff around, when you go from packing and unpacking, uh, because everything is held together with Velcro much better and because everything, all the guts are held down underneath it, I I never unload my board and have to go in and fix things anymore. Right. It used to be a constant thing where I would unload my homemade board and have to go around fiddling with, with patch cables and, and power stuff to get everything working. And it's, it's really more of a convenience issue. That's really what you pay for with these things is you're paying for the convenience to pack up your stuff quickly and then unload it quickly. Right. And uh, if you can look good while you're doing it, then you're obviously using a salvage custom board. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, you know, it's, uh, I, you know I, I, I'm not someone who spends a ton of money on my individual pieces of gear, but 
I'm of the opinion that if you are someone who's interested in doing that, then you should. I think yeah. I think if that means something to you, please go out and spend lots of money because when you spend that money, you're putting it into the pocket of someone who's running a business. Yeah. And someone who's who's producing a product, you're employing that person. And I think that's a beautiful thing. That's an American thing, you know? Sure. I think it's great that people out there are making uh, these expensive pedal boards. They're making expensive guitar pedals. They're making expensive guitars. And they're making a living doing it. I think that's awesome. Yeah, don't don't think, that, you know, this isn't... Pedal board vanity isn't about... Or being against pedal board vanity isn't about, like, knocking boutique stuff. Sure. It's about saying, hey, you know what? Use the stuff that works for you. Uh-huh. And if that's, you know, a Boss SD1 or whatever, uh-huh. then that's what it is. And if that's a, you know, a, you got to hunt down a Maestro Echoplex and, you know, a Klon and you're going to, there's a Klon at this, anyway, there's a Klon <laughs> Centaur at the Guitar Center in San Marcos for $2,200 oh if anyone's interested. Um, but, you know, if you've got to hunt down a Klon and, you know, these rare pedals because that's that's what you're into, like, hey, more power to you. Sure. Uh Spend your money. I, yeah, yeah. It's it's your money. It's your tone. My thing is just like recognize that what works for you may not be what works for other people. Right. Don't be a dick about it. Don't you know, and don't th- go trash talk other people's stuff because of what you yeah, have. My biggest thing, the biggest thing that kills me is when people look at a board and go, "I'm going to assume ABC about your tone mm-hmm. because you've got pedal XYZ here." Right. Without ever hearing. Uh, the biggest thing that I think Ryan and I came away with from this uh, big uh, worship musicians gathering is everyone was pretty much emulating this or like everyone when they're going for the popular sound everyone's getting like at least 90% of the way there yeah they're getting real close to each other for most live music situations 90% of the way there is is good enough. Sure. Uh, and once you get into a mix, no one hears those subtleties. Yeah. No one can hear the difference between which Tube Screamer copy you have, you know? I have two. Two Tube Screamers? Two Tube Screamer copies. You do? In the same box? In the same box. <laughs> I don't know why I yeah, said that. I don't know why you did either. Anyway. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, I think, uh, I think Pedal Board Vanity, that probably wraps just, that topic Just relax. Up. Relax. Uh, you know, another thing I that I saw the other day, someone posted a picture of uh, the Edge from U2. He he recently added a piece of equipment. He got, uh, I think, the Strymon Big Sky or something like that. Oh, okay. And someone was posting around a picture that that was going around of it, and everyone was talking about it. Apparently, it's a big deal that he owns a piece of Strymon equipment now. But the thing that really caught my attention in the picture was because it was it was him opening up one of his rack units and uh, there's different shelves in there with all sorts of different pedals. Uh, on one of his shelves uh, near the Strymon was a Digitech delay. Oh like yeah, one of the old like powder coated green. Oh okay, Digitech yeah, yeah. Uh, delay like model or old PDS series. Yeah, or yeah, and those things do not have a reputation. No. Like at all. That if if you saw that on some kid's board, you'd be like, oh, you have to just because he's some kid. But this is a guy who could buy anything. Yeah. And, and he's got a specific pedal on his board to do specific things. And it's a cheap pedal that that doesn't have a good opinion, that doesn't have a good uh uh 
uh uh shoot what's the word i'm looking for i have no idea <laughs> it it it'll never mind yeah you know the edge it's is not a, famous the edge is a really uh it's an interesting example his guitar playing ability aside because i know a lot of people like to like oh he really he plays two notes and then there's like 18 layers of delay right whatever uh like the guy's a craftsman like he's a tone sure. craftsman he sure. might not be the greatest guitar player no one is but he knows what he's doing with the tools that he has and he uses right. his tools well he has a very specific thing that he right. does and one thing that he's from what i understand from reading interviews with his uh guitar techs is he's got this like massive just rack units full mm-hmm. of pedals mm-hmm. or like racks full towers towers and he basically builds like that big sky. He's probably you two is probably recording an album right now, uh-huh. and he's like, "Oh, I need this one tone that I can only get with the big sky that he will only use for half of a chorus on one sure. song on the or next YouTube." It does album. the weird little thing on an intro that he wrote. Yeah. And I mean, because that's one of the things he's known for. That's why he's still using like uh-huh. the lexicon delay units from the '80s that they recorded. You know, October right. or whatever. I don't even know the name. What I I don't know the names of their album. <laughs> sure, but you know, he's he's known for. I have this one pedal that is. You know, this is the streets have no name delay, and I only use this pedal for the uh-huh. streets have no name, or whatever. Like, just individual tone. And that's exactly kind of what we're getting back to is, like, if you find a usable tone in a pedal, then it's a usable pedal. Yeah, absolutely. Like, and, you know, find your tone and find stuff that works for you. I mean, I've got uh, – and, you know, a lot of times there's there's all these different boutique versions of things. Like, it, like if you've got Tube Screamers, there are a billion copies oh, of gosh. Tube Screamers. I have a, a Turbo Tube Screamer, which is, is an Ibanez one that has a couple different mod settings on there. Uh, I bought more than a handful of various Tube Screamer copies and clones over the years, thinking, oh, there has to be something better. Maybe I'll like this other one better. I keep going back to the Turbo Tube Screamer. I can't find one that I like better. Like, I had a Sparkle Drive. I didn't like that better. I had this other thing. I didn't like that better. I've got uh, MIJ SD1, which is basically a really close copy of uh, a, a a vintage tube screamer and i don't prefer it for some reason that one pedal that is one that's not desirable that doesn't have a reputation uh that's the one that works for me and i think there's something to that where it doesn't matter the make or the model or how much you paid or didn't paid it doesn't matter the paint job on it if that's the one that works for you, then that's the one that you should use. Sure. Absolutely. All right, let's wrap this up with yeah, that. Yeah, let's wrap it up. Yeah. Uh, oh, wow, we're hitting it almost perfectly on an hour. So that's that's awesome. great. Uh, this has been episode four. Yep. Uh, we'll, we'll call this one Pedalboard Vanity. Pedalboard Vanity. Uh, and uh, I don't know when we're going to drop this, but when we do, you should go on iTunes and you should give us a good review. You should click all the way up i think it's like a five-star system or something like five. that I tell your friends about the podcast tell your enemies about the podcast if you love this podcast tell your friends yeah and if you hate this podcast tell your enemies and if you love this podcast tell your enemies because christ told us to love our enemies yes yes tell your mom tell your dad we were tell super everyone. rad <laughs> we're super rad all right we'll we're leave gonna it get that. sued <laughs>